Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Some stars became huge in WWE, despite the top brass not believing in them. After all, Vince once thought Austin was a great technician who needed a mouthpiece, and Daniel Bryan's description as a B-plus player was as much a shoot as a work. On the other end of the spectrum, Vince McMahon has put all of his focus on many, usually extremely burly superstars who have never quite connected the way that the boss hoped. However, they say that a broken clock is right twice a day, and Vince has been correct at least ten times in the last four decades, because I'm Cy for What Culture Wrestling, and here are ten WWE wrestlers Vince McMahon was right about. Number 10, Randy Orton. If the tales of Randy Orton's backstage antics in his younger days are true, there's a strong argument to be made that he should have been fired by WWE. As for his talent as a sports entertainer though, Vince McMahon was right to put so much stock into Randall Keith. Orton debuted on the main roster in 2002, positioned as a plucky third generation babyface. It was very vanilla, but the way WWE talked up Randy and his heritage suggested to the audience the company had high hopes for the youngster. A shoulder injury towards the end of the year forced Orton out of the ring, but quite brilliantly he maintained a presence on TV, providing video updates on his injury, becoming more heelish by the week. By the time he was cleared to return, Randy was placed with Triple H, Ric Flair and Batista as Evolution, and he'd be world champion 18 months later. And of course here we are decades later, with Randy Orton a mainstay of WWE for the past 20 years, having won 14 world titles, headlined WrestleManias, been on top as a babyface and a heel and being a nailed on first ballot Hall of Famer whenever the time comes for him to hang up his boots. Number 9, Shawn Michaels. Even when the Heartbreak Kid was proving impossible to work with backstage, McMahon forever backed Shawn. When the Rockers split in 1991, Michaels was viewed as having the most potential as a single star. A couple of years later, this destiny was fulfilled and Vince McMahon were basically fed in love, let's be honest. The boss man was so enamoured with Michaels that the privileges afforded to him and his clique buddies were at the detriment of the rest of the roster's morale and caused tension with major names such as Bret Hart, The Undertaker, Vader and a rising Steve Austin. For all the headaches Shawn Michaels caused over the years, Vince McMahon always defended him, and Vince's constant faith in the showstopper was rewarded even more so when Shawn returned from retirement in 2002. By sticking with him, Vince eventually got a Shawn Michaels who was possibly the best wrestler on the planet at the time, but who had none of the problems and baggage of the Shawn Michaels of previous years. That clean, God-fearing Shawn would have an eight-year run, which many would say quality-wise was even better than the Michaels of the 90s. Number 8, Triple H. Clearly Vince McMahon was a little too invested in Triple H over the years as countless glacial pay-per-view main events will attest to. However, the real-life Paul Levesque's importance to WWE over the last 25 years cannot be understated. Throughout the Monday Night Wars, whether under his more formal Hunter Hearst Helmsley moniker or simply just Triple H, the game was one of McMahon's most trusted lieutenants. As Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker and the like were dominating the main event scene, Hunter was one 
one of the mid-card talents propping up the Intercontinental title. When Hart and Michaels were no longer in the picture, slowly but surely Triple H found himself amongst those afforded an opportunity at the top of the card. Not only did McMahon back trips in the ring and on TV, but Vince eventually backed down on his rule of daughter Stephanie not being allowed to date any of the company's talent. Despite those dragging, sagging main events from certain spells of his career, there was a point where Triple H very much was in the conversation as being the best in the world. Added to that, the sheer longevity and reliability of the man as an in-ring performer, and nowadays from a creative and corporate standpoint, means Paul Levesque is one of Vince McMahon's most important ever hires. Number 7, Kevin Nash. When Kevin Nash first entered the then World Wrestling Federation in the summer of 93, he didn't exactly have the best of resumes. Nash was only three years into his career, being one half of the dour Master Blasters and saddled with some pretty awful gimmicks. Of course, the sheer size of Big Kev was something always likely to appeal to Vince McMahon, and thus when Shawn Michaels asked McMahon to sign Nash, it presumably didn't take Vince long to decide to take a punt on the Detroit native. As Diesel, Nash would debut in June 93, and he would be crowned WWF champion less than 18 months later. By anyone's standards, that's an astronomical rise, with Big Daddy Cool going from Michaels' bodyguard to main event attraction in a staggeringly short amount of time. More than this, it was a 358-day reign as champion, with Nash developing into an extremely capable in-ring worker, particularly against the right opponents. Of course, he would jump ship to WCW, but Nash continued to be a main event player, leading the charge as the NWO became the hottest thing in the business. Number 6, Brock Lesnar. Lesnar exploded onto WWE TV in March 2002, and just five months later, he'd become WWE Undisputed Champion by defeating The Rock at that year's SummerSlam. Lesnar was only 25 years of age at that point and only been training as a pro wrestler for less than two. The point being, WWE gave Brock the sort of monster push never before seen. For Brock, this was very much sink or swim and was a huge leap of faith from McMahon. One could argue whether or not that faith was rewarded when Lesnar quit the company just two years later, but then one could also point out how Vince's decision to bring back the Beast Incarnate into the fold in 2012 was another case of McMahon being proved right. Many questioned whether Brock had the passion to return to WWE and why you might be able to argue that it's more about the payday, he's still performing at a high level for WWE 11 years after that shock return. And whilst there have obviously been questions about the way he's been booked in that 11 years, it's not the fault of the talent. Lesnar is clear that he'll do what you ask him to so long as he gets paid. And from what's been asked of him, he's usually delivered big. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, 
at Plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Number five, Edge. When Edge's affair with Lita became public knowledge in 2005, many were left perplexed that Matt Hardy was the one WWE opted to fire. After all, if there was a victim in this situation, it was Hardy who'd been betrayed by his girlfriend and one of his close friends. Of course, Matt's erratic social media activity and public bashing of Edge and Lita forced WWE's hand somewhat, but it felt extremely harsh to see Hardy the one to lose his job at the time. Some in WWE, and particularly supposedly Triple H, were pushing for Edge to be fired once this affair was revealed. Trust had been lost in Adam Copeland, he'd screwed over someone he'd travelled the roads with, and one could understand why there'd be dissension within the locker room and the wider WWE. But Vince McMahon, he refused to listen to the calls for Edge's head, and instead this very real situation became the springboard for what would cement the Canadian as a main eventer. Having struggled to fully pierce the top of the card prior, the Lita affair made Edge the most hated man in the company, and pairing these two lovebirds up on screen made for magnetic heat. It kicked off a run that would see Edge become an 11-time world champion. Number 4, Rocky Maivia. Now, did Dwayne Johnson make it to the top of the industry as the same Rocky Maivia who arrived in the WWF shortly before the 1996 Survivor Series? No, absolutely not, but still Vince McMahon clearly saw something in the blue chipper. Maivia had an athletic background, was a good-looking fellow, and was a third-generation talent who had a wealth of family knowledge to call upon. However, the perma-smiling, granny-hugging, baby-kissing Rocky just didn't work for the rookie back in 96. Famously, the charismatic Johnson wouldn't find his feet until he was afforded the chance to turn heel the following year and embrace those die Rocky die chants. Grabbing the opportunity with both hands, the villainous rock persona and his allegiance with the Nation of Domination allowed Dwayne to properly sink his teeth into something and showcase his wit and natural timing. McMahon knew there was something there with Dwayne Johnson, it just took months of negative crowd reactions, a knee injury and a tweak of character to give him the platform to turn Rocky Maivia into someone who would become a WrestleMania headliner, a multi-time world champion and whose energy and electricity would transcend the wrestling industry. Number 3 Roman Reigns Much like his cousin Dwayne, Roman Reigns is another who Vince McMahon's faith in was eventually rewarded. However, whereas Rocky Maivia was an ill fit for 6 months before being forced off TV through injury, the ill fit for Roman Reigns was maintained for several years. As the ass-kicking powerhouse of The Shield, Reigns was phenomenal. Then that unit broke up, Seth Rollins became a conniving heel, Dean Ambrose was the fearless brawl babyface and Roman just well, kind of stayed the same. Same ring gear, same music, same entrance, same mannerisms. It wasn't so much Roman Reigns staying true to his Shield days that was the problem, but more that it didn't take audiences long post-split to let WWE know that they didn't want to see this version of the big dog. Never was this more abundantly clear than the 2015 Royal Rumble, where the victorious Reigns, complete with The Rock endorsing him, was mercilessly booed out of the building. Still, WWE powered forward and had Roman headline the next four WrestleManias, all to negative reception. It took a pandemic-enforced break for WWE to finally do something fresh with Roman, and as the tribal chief and the head of the table, he's revered as one of the very best performers on the planet today. Number 2, John Cena Supposedly, WWE only realised there might be something they could do with John Cena once Stephanie McMahon overheard one of Cena's raps. Still, once the company allowed Cena to showcase that quick thinking and charisma on TV, it didn't take long for them to place hopes on him as being their new poster boy. Even WWE and Vince McMahon likely did 
didn't realise just how big a star John Cena would become and for just how long that star power would remain. Yes, there was the Cena Sucks Brigade, but that was a drop in the ocean compared to how reliable, how marketable, how underrated in the ring, discounting that STF, how outright hard-working he was, whether it was headlining a house show in some small town or learning Mandarin and partaking in overseas press conferences. In terms of sheer longevity with the promotion, he is unmatched. Cena won his first world title at WrestleMania 21 back in 2005 and was realistically still a full-time top guy until 2018. He may not be your particular favourite wrestler, but John Cena's credentials are undeniable when looking at how Vince McMahon was right to put so much trust in the former prototype. And number one, Hulk Hogan. Looking back on the history of WWE under Vince's stewardship, Hulk Hogan is the single most important signing he ever made. Back in 83, with Vince making bold, unheard of plans to expand his recently obtained federation, he needed somebody to pitch his wagon to and spearhead his bonkers plan of national and international domination. Having turned babyface after his appearance as Thunderlips in Rocky 3, Hogan had spent the past two years as the most popular star in Vern Garnier's AWA promotion, with charisma dripping out of the Hulkster's mammoth bodybuilding frame. Formally returning to the WWF on the 1st of January 1984 episode of Wrestling at the Chase, a match that was taped five days prior, Hogan would defeat the Iron Sheik for the WWF Championship just 22 days later. Storyline-wise, Hulk was a replacement for Bob Backlund, whom Sheik had beaten to win the WWF title, and in a very real sense, Hogan was the hand-picked replacement for him as the poster boy of the promotion as Vince McMahon looked to move his company in a new direction. These days, Hulk Hogan's career has been tarnished by his own horrendous actions, but back in 1983, Vince McMahon was proven extremely right by choosing Hogan as the person tasked with driving the WWF to a new level of global popularity. If you like this video, there's another one on screen now. Click it to stay with us here at What Culture Wrestling. In the meantime, don't forget to like this video, subscribe, and leave a comment down below about other stars that Vince McMahon was right to get behind. You can head over to whatculture.com for more content every day. I've been Cy for What Culture, and have a good week. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.